Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-filled review and discussion for Marvel's Thor, Love, and Thunder. They traveled far and had many names, but to those who know them best, they are simply known as Love and Thunder. Hey there, Ninny Nannies, and welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. My name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-filled review and discussion for Marvel's Thor, Love, and Thunder. If you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek-Centric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, video games, toys, and collectibles, and all things Geek-Centric. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this movie and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched it yet... What are you doing? Go go and watch it, and then come right back here faster than a screaming goat in the Bifrost. Uh, all right, before we all get slaughtered by a pale white guy, let me introduce you to my fellow gods joining me today. First up, he's the god of dope style, but if you bug him while he's editing, he's going to take a while. He's Jayla, god of lenses. I got some Coke bottle lenses on today. so yeah, that makes Big sense. ones. Big lenses. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of going like camera lens. Eyeglass sure. lens. I got, all the I got some big lenses in my in my camera bag too. <laughs> uh, also joining us, much like the goddess Minerva, she's here to serve you some beautiful art from within the realms of her heart. She's the goddess Megan Clara. Another classic geek centric adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it, right? How's yeah. it going, my fellow gods? I'm stoked to keep the laughs going with this movie. Um, I'm, I, I still, I'm thinking back to it. I feel like we're going to be giggling up a storm here as we talk about it. I'm so stoked. Oh, yeah. Um, now, uh, unfortunately, our other two hosts, the dank demigod Darcy uh, and the god killer Kevin aren't able to join us because, uh, well, maybe they're snowed in with Odin or maybe they're on a call with Heimdall or, or they could be getting <laughs> loose with Zeus, uh, whatever it is, much like the, the kids, uh, you know, uh, team kids in a cage. Uh, they must be trapped in another realm. Uh, but listen, I sense with the help of some Viking magic, we might be able to hear from them at some point on the podcast. I think I can channel some energy and maybe bring them in. Uh, but before we go any further, kids, gather around and let me tell you the tale of the space Viking who went from dad bod to god bod and then from sad bod to dad god. Uh, guys, we know what this movie is all about. We don't need Korg to reread it to us. Let's just get right into it. I want your initial thoughts uh, on this delightful movie. Who wants to kick it off? I will go first. It was colorful, contrasting, and genuinely one of the funniest Marvel movies I've seen. Um, yes. Classic Taika Waititi humor. Not mm -hmm. only was I like absolutely cackling at moments, but I also had like major sobbing moments in the best yeah. way um yeah and also this movie featured hands down one of my favorite marvel villains to date so wow you know and not too bad going into it a little bit more after researching for this podcast there is so much more depth to it than you get off of the in initial feeling so mm -hmm. that just makes it 10 times better Absolutely. Yeah, you got to go back and, and, and rewatch it for sure. Yeah. This movie, this was delightful. This was, like Meg, like you were saying, this is a Taika Waititi-ass Taika Waititi movie. 
uh, and it's its own contained adventure and not really something that affects the MCU in any huge way, which I think, you know, I think there's a, a, a lot of fans who have a bit of a negative reaction to the movie who might have been looking for that. But we got a story here that, I, I you know, doesn't negatively impact any of our characters, and I think it doesn't change anything too radically. Um, I think the mighty mighty Thor and God the Gore Butcher realized on screen was phenomenal. I think this movie was exactly what I wanted from a Taika Waititi movie ever since that first trailer. And I, I will say it's it's hard not to compare this movie to Multiverse of Madness, obviously being the most recent one from before it, just in the sense of like, they're both movies with the style and direction of incredible creators, but you know, both of them obviously gave both directors like full permission to imbue themselves into the movies. And I do think for even both of them, it could have been reined in just a, a tiny, a tiny bit. But I think with with this movie, it doesn't grossly mishandle our main characters to the point where they're making decisions that don't make as much sense. And I agree. I really appreciated that. And I think, you know, we were talking in that review about like how, you know, as for as divided as the fandom was even on that movie, Marvel needs to keep doing this. Marvel needs to keep bringing in these incredible voices that will give us something different and new and maybe not something that we initially think we want uh, with the MCU. And I know Taika has been in a lot of, um, a lot of interviews kind of, talking that aspect up of like he's like yeah I don't I don't want to give you the Thor that you want I want to give you a Thor that you weren't expecting yeah. uh, and I definitely think we we get that through the themes of this movie yeah no after seeing the movie for the second time I would say that there are, are still far more positives than there are negatives like, yeah. I get that there there are people that are iffy about how characters are handled or how stories are handled but you know you said it best Nate this is a Taika Waititi film uh, it, it is centered on its character. It knows what it's trying to say. I think the only thing I disagree with is that it's not overtly pointing out things for the bigger Marvel MCU, but mm -hmm. it's doing it very subtly. Sure. And I think that that is, that is its strength, is that there's not a big reliance on the film to have to set the tone or set the story plans for future MCU events and stories. It's doing it in its own way that's still building out the MCU so that we know that there's more to this universe. With Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness and everything that that movie was was meant to be, people were, were slightly disappointed with what that delivered. Some loved it. I think that's where we are with MCU fandom though now is that every movie is going to hit the audience differently. This is another example of that in terms of how people are looking at it. But like Meg was saying, it's so colorful. It's, it's overtly con contrasting in that manner as well for specific reasons. You know, I think Taika Waititi has delivered something that is completely personal and entirely relatable to audiences of all ages and, and people just can relate to the core theme of, of love and in all of its facets from the good, the bad and the ugly. So I think that Taika is taking these superhero godlike characters and making them humanized and relatable, very much like what he did with with Ragnarok. And, and in that vein, this movie does feel like more of a sequel to Ragnarok than to anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think to the to that same degree, like with the with the style of like how the story is told and and some of the reasons I think some people are having issues with it. I mean, I think it's very whimsical. It's immature at times. Um, but I think honestly, like that's that's what works so well about it. Um, I think people have problems are getting hung up with like, why does Jane get the power of Thor or, um, you know, it's oh, it's because Thor asked his hammer to protect her or why does Valkyrie want, you know, that Thunderbolt so badly in that moment for, for like, what's her reasoning behind that? Like these little kind of story elements that 
kind of when you watch it and you really focus on it, it's kind of like, yeah, that does seem a bit silly and a little unrealistic. But I don't know if you allow yourself to take into account that this is a romantic comedy with dramatic elements and action included from Taika Waititi. I think it's much easier to look past those things. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also a lot of MCU fans are starting to get hung up on this thought of like as the films grow with us, they have to stay in our age range. But this movie Mm -hmm. truly is made for all ages. And it's one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. Absolutely. And I, I think it's it's a, it, it, I like that it doesn't take itself too seriously. I think yes. I've heard a lot of people already talking about it saying, oh, it's not it's not serious enough. You know, I need more seriousness from the MCU. And it's like I'm like, did we you don't watch Eternals? need more serious like, right now. If you watch Eternals, that's <laughs> yeah. as serious as it gets with a very right. similar subject matter For of sure. gods trying to be you know, more human. And I think I, I like one of the things that I love in this movie is Taika Waititi's sensibility to put so many jokes that you're constantly laughing so that when we get like the gut punch moments of laughter we're like hearing Thor shout like another classic Thor adventure hurrah and then it cuts immediately where we see Jane in the hospital you know suffering from cancer that cuts so harsh and I think that's what makes Taika Waititi's writing and his style of writing so effective and and it's really where that emotion comes from and I think that's that's such a fantastic element in the movie is is just again you're laughing so much and then you you're kind of almost interrupted uh, multiple times throughout the film with these really sad moments. Just to add to that, in the uh, press conference, someone actually asked how you balance the drama with the humor, and he pointed out that that's very much done in the post production process. So it's done in in the editing, yeah, um, and how they are able to weave together the comedy with the drama and how it hits and as you insert different moments Mm. after one another. So, because he does encourage improv. I think that it's very apparent that this has his style written all over it from the way it looks and the way it just comes together and has a very personalized uh, story, I feel like. Yeah, and I think that's another great way to compare it, Nate, to um, Multiverse of Madness as somebody who maybe didn't enjoy that movie (laughs) and really, truly loved this one. It's such a specific style, and I'm a fan of Taika Waititi. So if you're not, then maybe this movie doesn't hit you the same way. I'm not a fan of uh, Sam Raimi because Mm -hmm. I don't like scary movies. So watching that, I, I maybe didn't feel things the same way Sam Raimi fans would because, you know, you can't please everyone. And I think that's exactly. that's the biggest thing. And I think that's okay. I think Absolutely. that's totally okay. And I, and and honestly, and we we said this in that review as well. Like, th- I just please Marvel, don't take that as a sign of any sort of failure. Um, that it succeeds for some and not for others. Because again, I think getting movies that aren't just the cookie cutter same thing. Like I think Phase One, we very much started to feel that near the end of Phase One of just like okay, it's kind of feeling a bit too samey. Uh, and so getting you know James Gunn involved and getting you know Taika Waititi involved and and even Sam Raimi, I think uh, and you know I think it just it it adds so much to the MCU in terms of flavor. 
Yeah, allowing directors to imprint themselves into the movie so that they don't feel cookie cutter, as you said, is a way to personalize it and to still make it feel unique. And I, I really don't think that Marvel cares all that much if a movie fails or succeeds based on that merit. I think that it, it needs to tell the story and they feel confident with the story that it's telling. Feige knows that some movies are going to hit for people, some aren't. Some series are going to really hit with people and some aren't. They, they're at a very unique point where there's so much content on the Marvel front that's coming out that not all of it is going to be hits. Everyone's going to find something to connect with. I think that they're they're motivated by that. I think they're encouraged by that because because that is how you're really going to create, I think, the most universal concept of, of what you're trying to achieve is, is by allowing new voices to tell those stories in their way and give their own their own take on it. So I, I think it's a success in my opinion. Like Multiverse of Madness had a lot riding on it. So I'm glad that this one just focused on Thor, focused on a really simple story, a heartfelt story that kept it grounded and basically took this god from like myth to legend and in you know in a matter of a movie so i i don't know i just think he, he succeeded in confidently telling a story that he knew he could tell well and i think also too just on that last point that multiverse of madness was set up to be this really insane movie that was gonna mm -hmm. blow us through to the next phase of the mcu and that's not what we got thor love and thunder was this movie that was just gonna be fun and that's kind of all we were expecting and then it subtly like you said justin gave us hints of things that are going to be massive at one point and introducing characters exactly. from comic books that were like holy crap they're in the mcu now um and also just as a final point from me on our initial thoughts <laughs> um <laughs> art is subjective yes Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Period. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I think that, again, that is that is the, the basis of all of this is that it is all subjective. It is all what you as the viewer, what it imprints on you and what you take from that. I think, again, as Feige knows that there's all these rumors, all this universe building stuff that's outside of what the work that they're doing, that fans are making expectations for themselves they're oh, yeah. setting expectations for themselves on all scales but we're letting ourselves down at the end 100 right if with with setting those expectations so high but that's also the fun of being a geek exactly. at the same time because you get to you get to ha enjoy in the and in have the these fun conversations <laughs> exactly <laughs> absolutely um yeah and you know, I think I love I love hearing <clears throat> I'm getting choked up sorry I love hearing uh all of the wonderful theories that we we talk about week to week. Um, but you know what else I love hearing? I love hearing the soundtrack to this movie. I've not stopped listening to both the score. Thank you. Both the score and the soundtrack. I think Michael Giacchino, yet again, uh, the GOAT, uh, working alongside uh, Nami Melumad, um, they, they did such an excellent job with this one. This is his fifth time scoring a Marvel movie so far. Uh, mm -hmm. He scored wow. the most Marvel movies of any composer. And honestly, I'd be okay if he just becomes the MCU's John Williams at this point. Like, if that's <laughs> just what they want to do going forward. He he hasn't really done anything wrong at this point so far. Um, and I love how he infused, like, heavy guitar, triumphant horns. Um, obviously matches the rest of the soundtrack. And, dude, the heavy metal, like, fanfare, like, yes. rock guitar, butt rock guitar <laughs> you know, fanfare at the beginning was so dope. Yeah. The metal fanfare was, was like, I think the highlight for me during <laughs> that. And it really does set the tone for, for the entire movie. It's, it's fun. It was very fitting to open up with that. But yeah, Michael Giacchino, his score is like thunderous, man. It mm -hmm. is thunderous, cinematic, metal, 
And it is such a good mirroring to the soundtrack, to the pop songs that Taiko picked yeah. for specific moments and also for all the marketing and stuff like that. It, it, it just, it found a way to, to mix. And, and again, we, we talked about it with Stranger Things, Nate, where, you know, uh, moments were were built around the soundtrack elements, the Guns and Roses and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the personal character moments and the more epic hero- heroic stuff that was more meaningful to characters. That's where Jakino's music came through and just really hit. It was the perfect score for a god, in my opinion. Oh totally. yeah, especially a thunderous yeah. god like Gore. I mean Thor. <laughs> I mean Core. I mean, why do all these names sound the same? <laughs> no, totally. Uh, Guns and Roses, uh, the entire ride home, both times from the theater, uh, was just listening to Guns N' Roses. I think I might actually, like, I, I got to be honest with you. I wasn't a big fan of the, that specific genre. Not that I didn't, like, I didn't like it. I just hadn't really listened to it before. And so I love that, like, this movie was my introduction to like that kind of music. And, and I honestly, I've not stopped listening to it when they kick up. Welcome to the jungle. How can you not just get so pumped up? What a great moment. And I also wanted to call out the very first trailer playing uh, sweet child of mine. It's that's what the movies like is about. Like that's the whole point yeah. of the end of the, <laughs> the movie. And I was just like, taika has been telling us since the very beginning what the end of this movie is. And I just love, I love that attention to detail when it comes to music in the movies uh, that I watch. And I think it's just, it, all of it's so perfect. It's so perfect. Goes to show he's not hiding anything, right? Like he's not really hiding anything. He's he's putting a lot of it I- in front of you. It's just, it all makes sense once you see the movie, totally. obviously. It seems like his attitude is, as you were saying, to, to tell the, st- the story that you're, you're not expecting, but then all the hints are there to really kind of lead you to, that's what the story's about, right? So good. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I think like having one of, our general favorite classic rock song sprinkled throughout the movie also. There's always little blips of Sweet Child of Mine playing throughout the movie Mm -hmm. um, just to like hint at the actual titular meaning of the whole film is like a beautifully genius thing that Taika did. A few features of also ABBA and Enya make for (laughs) one of my favorite soundtracks of any Marvel movie. And Mary J... (laughs) And Mary, Mary J. Blige. Blige. Yeah. Let's oh not my forget. God. Yeah, Mary J. Blige when she, she pops out that stereo oh, and she's like, they're just they're bobbing. Jiving, I loved dude. it. It's it so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So good. Um, okay, well, listen, there are so many fantastic moments, uh, much like that. Um, but I wanted to kind of kick things off just by kind of how the movie kicks things off as well is I want to talk a little bit about the Guardians of the Galaxy, take a brief moment to to discuss their inclusion uh, and kind of uh, what you thought of of that. I know there's been, a, again, fans kind of piping up like there wasn't enough of them. And I'm like, I love the Guardians of the Galaxy, but they're going to get their whole a whole third movie. <laughs> so just relax. Yeah. Um, yeah. Meg, what did you what did you think of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy in this movie? Well, I literally have that exact same feeling. They were in the exact amount of the movie that I hoped for. About five minutes of us remembering that Thor finished his story in Endgame with staying with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So we're aware of that. We're putting that piece together now. But Mm -hmm. they fully, like you just said, they fully have a third movie coming out. They don't need to take over somebody else's movie. Right. And this movie is called Thor. It's not called Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. So there's no need for them to be in any more of it. It was a really fun way 
to have them sent off with Thor saying, you can have my ship and my crew (laughs) when like, it's obviously not his, but it's also hinting at that final moment where he's like, we know who, who runs the ship. Yeah, we know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that was really fun. I would just, again, I'm sure we're going to get the answer in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I'm curious to see where that time traveling Gamora ended up. Oh. Yeah. But that's for another podcast. Yes. yes, (laughs) But again, this is, this is, this is the, this is the expectation that, that fans and and not just you, not to single you, but just fans in general that are having such, such an issue with the the way the the guardians of the galaxy are featured here they doesn't establish anything it doesn't doesn't push anything forward for their story right but again like you said meg it, it's about thor and what does this moment show more than anything is that he was able to bond with the guardians on their adventures through space and he has a yearning for his own family his own love connection right that he can have that has a deeper meaning and that's that's really what the guardians served as 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 sort of the introduction to thor's depression if you will <laughs> the, the sad yeah. Thor right and that and that he loved doing what he did but he's trying to find an inner piece that he doesn't really know but it's all around him that's the first instance that we see that especially in the way that Peter Quill is talking to him about you know finding the thing that that drives you and that love is is that key right so I think that they served their purpose exactly as they were meant to to kind of kick kick off what Thor's personal journey is really about through this movie. Well, I, I, you mentioned Peter Quill. I think it's it's really interesting to see him in this movie as well, uh, with with kind of how he how he's acting. I, it's a very uh, stark difference from when we last left them, Confident. where oh, they yeah. were. He yeah. almost seemed like he like absolutely hated Thor, and now it's like he's totally come around. Like he's like when he's when he's getting stoked and he's like here it comes, and then he mouths Thor's catchphrase like this ends here and now. <laughs> It's like that's amazing. Like they've become friends, and and he's helping him, and and I think that's really lovely. And I, um, I would love to see maybe in the Guardians three movie if if we get to see maybe a little bit of the adventures that we missed from uh, in between these ones, or even a short. You know, maybe the Christmas special will bring something in like that. But I just got it. Like I loved how it was just oh, yeah, like a montage true. of their adventures. I loved how much Drax loved those goats. Like seeing him <laughs> giggling while he's like wrestling one, he's like, "I love these things." I'm like, "Yes!" Like it's so good. <laughs> Craglin getting married to Glenda, which is just phenomenal. <laughs> like I want to go to that wedding so bad. Um, and yes, like Meg, like the you know, take care of the Milano for me, or like you know, let let the crew down easy. This won't be easy for them, or something <laughs> like that. Like so freaking good. And I think the best part about this was every single character was was there and had a little moment had a little moment that was like perfectly their character. Um, I just, I thought it was so, I thought it was so well done. And I think it was, as you said, it's the right amount of them. We didn't need any more. And uh, it just got me more excited for their next adventure. Let's talk about Thor. Uh, Chris Hemsworth in this movie, like he, at this point, I mean, first off, uh, congrats to Chris Hemsworth for getting a fourth film as Thor. Uh, technically, mm-hmm. we are getting a Captain America four, but it won't be, uh, you know, it's not Steve Rogers. It's it's Sam Wilson. Uh, so Thor, this is his fourth movie. To me, he is Chris Hemsworth is Thor to the same degree that RDJ is Tony Stark and Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Like he is he's perfect yet again in this movie. And I think his line delivery and just the way he, he and Taika have adapted this character, both from the original Thor yeah. movies and the comics is so excellent. And I love how in this movie we get to see how he deals 
with loss in his own ways. And I, I just, the fact that this was a movie ultimately just about him finding love, albeit not in the way that either of us, him or I, expected. <laughs> um, I just loved it. I loved this portrayal of Thor so much. It was just, it's, he's come such a, a long way and oh, I'm yeah, so happy yeah. with the evolution that he got in this movie. He's come through four movies and what, three or four Avengers movies? Right. Right, on top of that, right? Yeah. And his character has evolved so much. And I think at a certain point, I think it was actually Age of Ultron where he just felt one note. Mm-hmm. Like they did such a good job of introducing Chris Hemsworth as Thor in the first movie. But, you know, when we got into Thor 2, it just kind of felt very one note. It, it, it really was Thor Ragnarok that reinvented the character. And that really comes from evolution that Chris Hemsworth has had with the character and taking it into this sort of, he's, he's, he's kind of an adolescent. He's, he's, he's a bit of a man child. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's goofy. Right. Like, and like, and I think, I think that's far more relatable than the Thor that he was in Mm -hmm. Thor one and Avengers and, and dark world as well. Like he took himself too seriously. He definitely had a bit of that nuance of fish out of water. I'm in earth and I'm a God kind of thing. But like here, we see more of a human side to him and he's he's evolved the character to to make it his own. But I love that they still carry through the aspect of like he yeah. still doesn't know everything about Earth. The fact that he calls them pan flaps and things like that. Like <laughs> I love I love that we still get those moments with him. And I think you're right, Justin. Like if he was a if he was a god, realistically, he wouldn't we wouldn't be able to connect with him. He wouldn't be you know, we, we wouldn't mm-hmm. fall in love with him. And I think it's his humanity that does connect us and his silliness yeah. and his faults that make him so lovable. And I, again, I just think it's like we, we see so many gods in this movie. And yes, uh, you know, another one that we're going to probably get a chance to talk about is very silly. But I do think that, you know, this this portrayal of him is just this is this is what this is what Marvel comics are meant to do. They're meant to give us these larger-than-life characters that we can see ourselves in based off their experiences. And again, the fact that this is all connected to love is something that we all understand. Absolutely. And I think also one of the cool things you actually just mentioned that he feels very adolescent-like is you Mm -hmm. think about his actual lifespan. He would be in an adolescent stage of that like 5,000-plus year lifespan, right? So. Mm The fact that he is still learning, he's transformed a lot since those early movies. And I would like to point out that Australians have such a specific sense of humor. And I don't think they utilize Chris Hemsworth's ability to play humorous roles in the first two Thor movies and the Avengers movies. Right. It may be the first Avengers, but like... Taika, again, being he's Australian, uh, yeah. Australian he's or New Zealand, New Zealand I should yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Similar sense right. of humor, yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. um, having somebody of a very similar upbringing meld with him to bring this side of Thor out, just like, like you said, Justin, he shot Thor out into being this like much better character. He's so much more relatable, so much more interesting to watch when he doesn't take himself too seriously. So that's one of my favorite did, parts about Thor. Yeah, and and uh, did you guys ever watch that short? Uh, I think it takes place like uh, 
in and around Civil War, and it's it's of Thor like living with someone. Yes, no, with I Darryl. haven't seen with those. Daryl yeah. and <laughs> yeah, Daryl's yeah, in the movie, yeah, yeah. by the way. Daryl is. is the, yeah, yeah. Daryl's the tour yeah, yeah. guide in this movie, and it is such a phenomenal yeah, yeah. thing to see that guy canon now finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's so he's so <laughs> yeah. like into everything. Oh man, it was good. It was good to see him show up uh, in the movie. But I think that really allowed them to experiment with taking the character in in a different direction. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Pairing uh, a New Zealander like Taika Waititi with someone like Chris Hemsworth, who uh, is from that same region, is from that same sort of sense of humor, it will present a better depiction of 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 what that's going to look like. So I think that 100%, it, it, if it wasn't for Taika stepping in to say, you know, we could take this character in another direction, we wouldn't have a fourth Thor. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. I, I don't think. I think we would have we would have closed off after the events of of Infinity War and Endgame oh, yeah. with mm-hmm. Thor's character. Totally. Yeah. I um, and I, I I love that we're going in this direction with him going forward, where he's going to have more responsibility uh, and a responsibility that he never thought he would he would have, or or I guess he he dreamed he he would have it, but didn't know if it would actually happen. He'll mature. Yeah. He'll and mature. and so yeah. I think that's that's going to be really fun to see this this immature dad uh, have to take that on. But he's not quite a dad. Right. She does call him Uncle Thor. Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Thor. Which dad is figure, ch- but he's Uncle yes. Thor. <laughs> just, as in, yeah. just as endearing, yeah. though. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and again, you know, I think, speaking of having responsibility, uh, Natalie Portman, you know, had quite a responsibility to bring the mighty Thor from the pages to the screen along with Taika. And, uh, and, and, and I think she nailed it. I think she nailed it as Jane. Um, I think it took me a minute to adjust to some of her dialogue delivery. Um, I, I will say, but thinking about it, like it, it does kind of make sense that she'd be excited and like gun ho about the adventure she's on. Because I think in those moments where she's excitedly trying to come up with a catchphrase or she's like saying something like, seriously, heads will roll. Like, I think this is her <laughs> trying to escape the fact that, this is her last opportunity to do go- more good in the world and to have fun. And I think that mm. is, that's the biggest aspect about that character that I think that's a lot a good, of people are That's a good way missing, to look at that. Right? Because I think a lot of people are yeah. sort of looking at it and being like, oh, that's not how Natalie Portman is. Like, she's in very serious roles. Why is she being so silly and it doesn't, doesn't play right? But I'm like, no, I think she would, she would act that way. And if it feels weird, that's even better because it would probably feel weird to her to be saying some of those things, right? It would probably feel weird to the people or to the, the people hearing that to hear that come from her. And she's going through this experience that, you know, I don't, it's, it's, it's horrible. And she gets this opportunity to just have fun. And so why wouldn't you, you're, you're, you're a new Thor and you can, you know, say things like heads will roll and, and buddy team up with, uh, with Valkyrie and fly on a flying horse, like just do all the things like, why not? So one of the things that I noticed a lot about Natalie Portman's portrayal of Jane in this movie and mm-hmm. Mighty Thor is that, yes, she does do a lot of serious roles. One specific rom-com that she did is called No Strings Attached, and it's like a, a, a like Friends with Benefits sort of situation, very similar to the actual movie Friends with Benefits. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. her portrayal of comedy is very dry, which suits Australian New Zealand humor. So right. this portrayal actually reminded me a lot of the way she acted in that movie. So it wasn't really surprising to me. She also hasn't been in a Marvel movie since 2013. So it 
And she's also never been directed by Taika Waititi. So there's like a huge span of time without her. She's happy to be back. She's having fun. She's in a comedy. Like, go for it. I loved it. I, I think she was so badass. But <laughs> I, I know the scene that you're talking about, Nate. Yeah. Um, when she's walking with Thor, On the bridge. And she's yeah. like, I'm, yeah, yeah. And she's like, I'm talking about it. And I, I don't think that was the best take of that. I, I think it goes to show that maybe to to Megan's point, improv and that style of comedy and, and what she's trying to do there it, it just felt like she was she was acting and, yeah. and all the other moments in and around it she de- she never really felt that way she actually i found right from the introduction of jane she slipped right back into that character into those same mannerisms into that same sort of hyper focus and like really into her science and what she's doing um i think she she nailed it right off the bat uh coming into it and then when we saw her as mighty thor um yeah she's she's almost Almost like playing up and maybe that is the justification as to why she's that's why i kind think of like i think she is she's trying, she's trying to be a hero yes. right she's yeah and i yeah exactly so she's literally acting so I, I i can i can actually now probably look at it and say okay that's that's excusable because honestly she had some of the best action scenes yeah they wasted no time telling her story like very very well and then she's just in the rest of the story all of her action scenes were the most badass action dude that we got when the from, hammer from, splits from into pieces of, and then and the oh. asgard and then it comes back i like fist bumped dude. the second time i was like that is badass it's so good i i um yeah i i also wanted to kind of call out i think a lot of people are also talking about how it it does feel a bit um quick for or or shoehorned in with her getting the powers um but i don't think personally for me it didn't fundamentally lessen the impact of her wielding mjolnir because according to the lore in order to wield mjolnir um you have to be truly worthy and i think her drive to do good in the world is shown in this movie and we see we see it in quick glimpses but we know that like her whole thing is that she can stay alive so she can do more good in the world. And I think that's what makes her worthy of that power. If she can help Thor to become worthy, she herself is worthy. And I think for as much as the MCU at times does break its own rules, I don't think they broke their own rules with this with this moment. Um, there was a moment that was cut where she actually, we see the transformation, um, which I, I would love to, to see even if they just have like a, an early version of that. But um, but yeah, I think I think for people who are upset that like, it you know she it, they didn't really justify it that well i think they i think they did i think they well, did they, it perfectly i think they did yeah. they did a really great job right from when she hears the the sounds and she looks over to the books and it's it is Mjolnir calling her and she opens the books and it takes her right to the page and she's reading about it like i think I, I, what I really actually love what Taika did is he put stories within this larger story. Right. Like the way things kick off with the narration with Korg, and that's continued throughout. The next character we'll talk about, mm-hmm. Gore the God Butcher, mm-hmm. his introduction before the fanfare. That is his story. And we also have this well-placed story of Jane and how she becomes the mighty Thor because that was all set up very well, but it th- that's not the story of this movie. Her story is how when she has the power, how she helps Thor. Right. So I, I think that in many ways, like I, I understand, like the people want to spend more time with these and see a little bit more of the growth and the 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 development of of Mighty Thor. I just feel like that happened throughout once she had the powers and, and when she was working with Thor and confronting Gore and, and, and all of these other elements that that took place right to her inevitable end. And I think this is 
again, it's it's a short period of time that we're we're, we're seeing here. Yeah, and she only has a short period of time, uh, unfortunately, to 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 do this. So I think it I think it fits. Um, and I, I you know obviously at the end we do see her die tragically in Thor's arms, uh, and they don't let us hear her her proposed catchphrase. Uh, but I want to know, I, I kind of asked you guys ahead of time, what do you think she actually said there? What do you think she said was the perfect catchphrase? Well, I, I'm going to steal one because Darcy's not here, but it was Darcy's thing and it made me think about it. Okay. Uh, it's 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 love and thunder. Uh, I think that's the, that is the catchphrase because it kind of ties back to, because Korg's story mm-hmm. and the way that they they were always defined as, love and thunder so i liked i, like I liked that. that idea that 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 that's what it was and obviously given the ending and what we see it just manifested itself differently mm. based on the outcome of the events right so that's lovely yeah. that's a lovely idea so nice yeah. um yeah. i went a little sillier mm-hmm. <laughs> i was thinking about some of the phrases that she said while they while she was like getting all jacked up and trying to think of a catchphrase and i was also thinking about the fact that it had to make thor laugh yes. so either i initially thought she just said eat my hammer which <laughs> she already said out loud or yeah. i thought it would be super funny since she's human if she said taste the rainbow <laughs> 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 right, like she skittles. Had, that's great. Yes, like she already had like the rainbow thing earlier. She had or whatever, a rainbow right? theme so, going on, so yeah, I was like, yeah. it'd be funny because she says something about eat my hammer, right? Something about a okay, rainbow, okay. Taste, taste the, the rainbow. rainbow. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Sponsored yeah, by I mean, Skittles. <laughs> right? Yeah, just put a full Skittles moment right in there. Yeah. Um, for me, I went with uh, you know because there's that moment right before where Thor says, "I choose love." And uh, I think she whispered to him. She brought him really close, and she said, "Choose love, motherfucker." <laughs> or like, <that>. <laughs> <laughs> like to see her, like just you know, raging down with the hammer. Choose love, and just slamming it down. Um, so I think, I think maybe you know, I don't know if she ever had a chance to meet Nick Fury, um, but I hope, I hope maybe at some point there was some sort of influence there. I think would be really, really fun. Um, but. You know, speaking of of flying down, obviously we see her fly down in, in one of the most epic moments uh, in the movie. Uh, she's flying on a, a I guess it's it's a Pegasus. Is that what that is? Named Aragorn, according to the comics, which I was like, no way. Is that based? Yeah. I'm like, is that based on somebody will have to write in or maybe we'll get an answer from Darcy. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know if that's based on Lord of the Rings or if it's based on like actual mythology or what it is. Um, but you know who else rides on Aragorn? Uh, is Valkyrie. And I wanted to just take a moment to talk about Tessa Thompson in this movie. Um, I think she was so much fun. I love, you know, she's getting bored of her life as the king of New Asgard. She's doing commercials for Old Spice with the guy with the so pan good. flute. <laughs> so good. And and like, yeah, Justin, you already called out the moment of like Family Affair by Mary J. Blige, which I think, which I think is so perfect as the name of that song for oh, yeah. what she wants. She wants a family back again she wants her sisters back again and so i think she sees that in her kinship with jane um it was so awesome i really really dug uh valkyrie this time around i did too and i I get it like there wasn't enough of her and she felt very sidelined like Mm -hmm. there's people that have said this and i'm like i get it but this is this is a movie about thor and the supporting characters played their part and she played her part well, really and I well. would, and I, I still want to see more of her. I love the moment with her and Jane at, at the at the door uh, when they're getting ready to. They leave. like fist bump and, you know, weapons. Like they, <laughs> yeah, 
but yeah, they tap, they cheers their weapons. Yeah. And I, I thought that was so, that was so awesome. Yeah. And, and just the idea of supporting one another and them being vulnerable with one another about what they're really after. Jane is confessing, she, the hammer's not making her any better. Mm -hmm. Should I really be going? And she's like, well, this is what you need. Yeah. You might as well, you might as well do good with this power. You're a god, right? Yeah. So it's such a good pep talk moment. And I, I don't know, I, I think... Again, just a great way to utilize a character without overstuffing or shoehorning. Like, I don't know. Like, she wasn't so sidelined that she didn't even come on the mission. Right. Right. She came yeah. on the mission yeah. and she was still integral. And Huge. she she still shows she still showed that there's there is a part of love that she is lacking and that that is that pain mm -hmm. that pain that from from the loss of of her sisters so mm -hmm. I, I think yeah it, it was very fitting to have her in this absolutely uh, the loss of her sisters the the loss of the one that she loved the most mm -hmm. and yeah, that moment yeah. that she has with face Korg is like <laughs> hilarious <laughs> but also like really meaningful because she talks about how sad she is and she has this family, but she lost her. Love can make you depressing. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's, it's, I think she plays a really beautiful role in this movie. I think she also plays a really beautiful open role um, in regards to the LGBTQ plus community. We love to see that representation in this film. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy with the amount of Valkyrie we got because it's definitely not the last we've seen of her. And um, <laughs> there are more story options based off of a uh, end credit scene that we will definitely talk about later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I also just love the fact that the way every character had their moment and we're still treated like with super super emotional moments but also just super badass moments like she was so badass in some of those oh, yeah. fighting scenes oh yeah there was one scene from the trailer that i wanted them to show where she's just she's licking the blade yeah. and i was like that is so badass i want to see what happens but they gave us that shot where she like slices all of those zeus like bodyguards and the the blood and the gold blood is just falling on her and she's Unreal. just like yeah again they, they gave every character a moment to shine mm -hmm. where it was like awesome and i i think he gave more than one in the instance of of how we see them throughout throughout the event yeah and when she takes the uh i think they're called one of them the zoo sets is i think what they're referred to in the credits she takes one of their hands and smacks a kiss down and i'm just like yeah get it get it so good i i would have liked i would have liked it if they if she did the full-fledged kiss maybe that might have been a bit much Disney. much but i'm sure there was a take of it maybe there there might have been a take of that that just never found its way or taika was like yeah they'll never use it so let's just do that this way this is the safer way to do it so yeah you know what i mean but uh, she's a but just she's of royalty at the end of the day right like she's you know she, she sure. says like the, like a prince she was being classy or like a knight <laughs> she was being a classy. knight of the yes sure. it's, Wouldn't she's it, being classy. it have been yeah, even yeah. funnier if she like forced that Zeuset to kiss her hand <laughs> um, for sure yeah but I also love yeah. that she her character Val's character flows perfectly through from Ragnarok when she is a lonely drunk that thinks she's just gonna die on that planet to now when she's yeah. depressed because she misses the one she loves but she's the same even when they're in in omnipotent city and they're hiding under those cloaks and she's like thor you better go now because in about 60 seconds i'm about to start chopping heads off like let's go mm -hmm. yeah, she's yeah. the same so yeah. i'm happy with that consistency yeah. well you called out nate like her passion for that th lightning bolt yeah right and how much she wanted it right yeah 
I, I just think that that was so fitting, right? Especially for what that symbolized to Zeus, the idea of wielding a weapon like that. Right. That, you know, I, I think it was great seeing her throughout when she does have that that thunderbolt. Is it a thunderbolt? It's a thunderbolt. I think it's or a lightning, lightning. Bolt? It's a lightning bolt. <clears throat> no, it's called it's it's called thunderbolt. Oh, okay. he says it's oh, called it thunderbolt. He says you got to get the name right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so I was right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I. I. You know. I think it's like you're saying I think it does make sense now that I think about it it's like you know she could hurt him she could even kill him but what's gonna hurt him the most is taking away the thing that he's so sort of prideful of and so happy that he has right you're taking away his identity so to speak and I think you know she she's seeing that and and uh especially after the way she sees him acting just with the two senses uh that he has um and maybe we'll we'll touch upon his character a little bit later on. Um, but Meg, let's keep going here. You referenced the core face uh, or Korg face. <laughs> let's let's talk about Korg. Um, I was so happy that Korg got to continue all the way through this adventure. Uh, the way they bookended again, I I know that's one of my favorite things uh, in movies is bookending, and the way they bookended <laughs> this entire movie with his narration was perfect. It's like Taika Waititi was literally telling us the story all the way through. And, uh, you know, I, again, I loved seeing him do the, the Voldemort thing with Valkyrie on the, the back of the head. <laughs> uh, but I got to ask, like, did your heart not stop when he's like, I'm perishing. Like I literally sat up and I was just like, no, like oh, they yeah. cut the music. I was like, no way. Like, did you think he was going to die? It felt very similar to me to that moment in Rise of Skywalker where Rey explodes the spaceship yes. and all of us think Chewie dies. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was this moment of this beloved character that has been with us since, quote unquote, day one of Taika Waititi's run of Thor. Mm-hmm. And I, my heart genuinely stopped. I will say, so glad he continued on to find love himself, but... I was a little, a little disappointed that there was no real, like, consequence to that. Yeah, which I agree. continues yeah. with other characters, too. It doesn't feel like there's any real consequence in this movie. And I think that's one of the things that, again, I'll talk about later. But I love Korg. Well- his character is so it's is so funny. Oh yeah, um, that he has to he has to find a way to live on uh, throughout through through this thing. So I'm glad that he also found love. I mean, dude, well. let's talk about that. Dwayne. Like the Cronin, he's holding hands Dwayne. with at the end. His name Dwayne with, with the mustache. mustache. Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock, though. The Rock, the Rock. And if that <laughs> yeah, means exactly. yeah. if that means that Dwayne the Rock Johnson is going to be in the next Thor movie as Korg's husband would be uh, like imagine i can't like i can see it now like korg's hosting a dinner party right and he's he's got he's like got all the fixings and he's wearing like a, an apron or something and then you know Dwayne's in the kitchen and he's like can you smell what he's cooking or something like that like i just think it's <laughs> so phenomenal i'm so incredibly happy for him i'm glad he didn't die and i i love same i love how he was narrating the story but he was also like giving a lot of foreshadowing as well like the moment when uh, he asks valkyrie if he thought thor and jane would ever hold hands over over a lava pool to make a Thor baby. Um, you know, she's like, it's unlikely, sadly, but he's like, too bad. I think Thor would make a great dad. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. like they just, they just yeah. know. They just know. I just, he's so lovely. And I'm just, yeah, I don't want Korg to ever die. I don't care how many stakes it no, takes No, I don't away. think he will. 
No, I know, I know. But like, even like, you know, we were talking about Valkyrie before. Yeah. You know, she gets stabbed. Yes. Like that. W- I was like, okay, here's there she the goes. Death yeah. Of and a then... character that is gonna matter, and I'm, I'm, I'm pissed about it. She just lost <laughs> a kidney. She, she ended up just getting like, yeah, she just lost a kidney. Right. And it's like. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like, okay. So but, like, I'm glad she's, she, we'll see more stories of her. I don't, yeah. But like, I, again, it, to Meg's point, the stakes, it's, it, there's something, something should have kind of hit home. But there, I'd right? love to see her find someone to feel shitty about. You know what I mean? Like, I'd love to see yeah. that storyline progress because for her to have died right. in that moment of being at the lowest state that she's in, she doesn't get to have uh, as much of a resolution as mm. Thor does. I think she maybe finds a little true. bit of that's the family true. and the kids of New Asgard and she gets to train them and, and teach them yeah. and maybe that's where yeah. she sort of gets a little bit of resolution. Yeah. But I would love to that see is her. It. Yes. Right? Yeah. I'd love to see her kind yeah. of get a little bit more That's a good point. Love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think one of my favorite references too in this movie in regards to Korg is when they're walking through Omnipotent City and they see the the god of yes. um their race. I can't of the Cronin, remember what the Cronin, of the Cronin. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And um he's sitting on a chair of scissors like a chair of swords in Game of Thrones because in Ragnarok he says, "I'm a giant rock. No need to be afraid unless you're a pair of scissors." A little rock paper scissors <laughs> joke for you. <laughs> like it's so good. genius. It's so so good. So good. So, good. so yeah. phenomenal. Um, but listen, I know we're all we're all laughing, we're all smiling, we're having fun. Uh, but we gotta maybe bring the smiles down a little bit, guys, because uh, we're gonna talk about Christian Bale. Uh, Christian Whoa. Bale was incredible as Gore. I think it's I think it's incredible how much he gave in that role in in with the time that he had i think it's it's pretty impressive of just how like i know he's super talented it's freaking christian bale but of course. still like him in this villain role was phenomenal and i think it's incredibly important that they started the movie with showing us his story and why he becomes gore the god butcher uh starting off with him like walking in the sand and we see him lose his only love is so heartbreaking and so sad and I think that's just that's so important for your villain, and and to get it get it oh, right yes. out of the way, yeah. right out right away to see that. And I was like, they killed a kid, like holy moly! Yeah, and and to also see the, the downfall of how his faith had hadn't saved him. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you know, he 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 had such faith. He was such a, uh, I guess you would call a religious man, right? And he thought that that was his saving grace and, and it didn't. And that's also another layer of the love that, that gets peeled back, right? On top of that and losing his his daughter obviously being massive. But I, I think to see Christian Bale, who has been Batman for three movies <laughs> in a past life, uh, and also starred again with, with someone like Heath Ledger, who put on an amazing portrayal of the Joker, he gets to come into a role in the MCU and be his own villain and it, it, at moments it felt very joker-esque like when he has them all strung up in the shadow world oh and, my and gosh dude kind of peering into their minds and stuff like that it just his teeth. it was it was oh and it was so it was so intense it, it, it the range that he, he he was able to go with from being dark and deep to like being upbeat in his eyes and how he's able to peer into their souls right so i don't know it was just it was so well done. I loved everything about it. And I do wish we saw more of him 
killing gods. Yeah. I do think that that yeah. is, is one of the, the faults of this movie. And yep. I would have, I would have been okay if this went to two and a half hours of a movie <laughs> and there was a couple more intense scenes with him. Maybe, I don't even know if he needed to push it that much, but like, I don't know, even if it is like a montage scene of him just going around killing people. Like I, I think that could be fairly interesting, right? Yeah, I think one of the most powerful things about him too is, like we said at the very top, his contrast to everything else that happens in this movie. Yeah. And especially visually, um, not only before he becomes the God Butcher, but like going through that desert, it's dry, it's muted tones, and he enters this, you know, oasis and immediately the Taika Waititi comedy starts. But yes. Christian Bale doesn't take that on or Gore doesn't take that on. He's right. still so serious. Mm-hmm. And even when he grabs that sword, to me, a rewarding kill when he just shoves that right in that god's throat. It's disgusting and amazing. And then throughout the entire movie, even when these comedic scenes are happening, he stays in his character and it's menacing and terrifying and outstanding. His one funny moment I, there may be a couple sprinkled in, but the one that stood out to me is when he's telling this like kids nursery story from hell to all the kids that are stuck in that cage. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, you just talked about ripping someone's head off and you're scared by this. Like he, yeah. the snake loves getting his head ripped off and it's yeah. like so disgusting, but it's also really funny. I totally. think Christian Bale is just like top tier. We all knew that, but shows it in oh. this movie he was just when he when we see him approaching new asgard nightmare fuel like just the way the grass <laughs> dies in front of him was so cold uh yeah his look was fantastic C- turning from color to black and white as like the necro sword is infecting him further and further just even in that first scene is it was so visually incredible um and yeah justin you called it out like him pulling valkyrie towards him and just talking about how all her sisters died and the gods did nothing and then how he immediately like uh you know uh, says to jane like oh you're you're like me i'm dying and and the sword you know has cursed me just like the hammer is is killing you and i just again like that's such fantastic writing because in those moments everyone in the audience is just thinking you know he's kind of right He's kind of yeah. right. And it goes back to the idea of, of you know, Thanos was right or or that sort of thing. And I think, you know, it's it's one of the biggest strengths of the movie is his character. And honestly, I, this is how the MCU needs to focus on their villains because I think, you know, there's a reason we care so much about Loki or Baron Zemo or Thanos and in this movie Gore. And it's because we we get where they're coming from. They're, they're you know, they give us a just enough backstory to understand their motives and, you know, it used to be in movies that the big bad guy was just evil because they're the bad guy and you didn't need as much justification. But now audiences, we need so much more than that. And I, I wish we had a little bit more of that sensibility, like in the Disney Plus shows, Miss uh, <laughs> Marvel, uh, specifically, like we've been talking about on our Watch Club, um, you know, because like outside of like Agatha and maybe John Walker, we really haven't gotten that from our villains as much. Yeah, and but- I think it, it's... It's just it's one of those things where how how can we have six hours of a TV show and not get a fleshed out experience with a villain and only two hours with very not as much as we would have wanted of gore and get so much more. And again, I get it. Christian Bale. But you know what? (laughs) 
the MCU, they got you know Marvel, Disney, they got money. They could they could they could bring in some of this high tier, um, you know, I think villains into into their Disney Plus series. Yeah, I think I honestly think that to have to have someone like Christian Bale step into the MCU just helps build out a villain that is is so is so meaningful. Uh, he has a purpose, and to your point, we we can relate to his reasoning and mm-hmm. i think that that's compelling storytelling yeah and and gore truly believes in those moments that he is doing good he truly believes good, exactly. that these awful mm-hmm. gods he tells her need yeah. to go and and there's no reason that they need to exist because so far he hasn't come across a god that's actually helped him uh well mm-hmm. until the end of this movie which is just so freaking gorgeous um but listen, we're not ready to get back to talking about happy things. Uh, I want to just quickly go over what, you know, maybe what we thought didn't work. Um, obviously, based off of a reaction so far, it might feel a little bit nitpicking uh, to go through any of that. But I will say, um, Taika Waititi went on the record of saying that Christian Bale was the best villain the MCU's ever seen. I want to agree with him. But like Justin, like you said, I wanted more of him. I think you're absolutely right. If we got a moment of seeing him kill a bunch of gods, apparently there was some stuff cut where he did kill yeah. uh, some okay. different gods and, and different characters. So I think maybe if there's an extended cut that we get to see, that might make it feel a little bit better. But yeah, I do think we almost got the best MCU villain uh, ever in this movie. But it, for me, that was the only thing that I didn't quite find worked in the movie. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I believe that there could have been more opportunities to show the dimension of his, his character, how it wielded him to do these grotesque things and be earn the name of Gore the God Butcher. Because mm-hmm. um, apart from, from seeing one kill, that was pretty much it, right? It, it was just scary shadow monsters that, that were there. So Christian Bale did the best that he could with what, what time he had on the screen. And, and I would love to see some of those, those other things, but I, I guess that's probably a general talking point about this movie is just that certain things felt a little bit too fast for people. When we look at someone like Gore, who is just, he's just pouring his heart into this performance. It's just, I would have loved to have seen more of that. Yeah. I think though, just to rebuttal that a little bit, I think that's how, the contrast worked that he put so much into this really intense performance and everyone else's performance were a little lighter, but I think that's what it was meant to be because it was a story being told to us. Um, Two of the things that I found not so great, one's a little silly, one's a little more, I guess, intense, but I already sort of mentioned it, the lack of consequence because nobody really dies that we didn't know was already going to die at the end of the movie. Um, I I kind of wish there was some big sacrifice. I'm glad that the people we love did not leave us, but um, I wish there maybe was a little bit more consequence to this movie. Um, And I also am not a huge fan of Thor's blue and gold suit. I kind of wanted him (laughs) to stay Viking Thor. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Obviously, it was comedic and really funny because it was like so extra big and a reference to a comic book costume, if I'm correct. I Um, believe so, yeah. Yeah, but it was like so big and ridiculous and I just wasn't really that big of a fan and seeing him in the Viking Thor outfit with the fur and everything I was super stoked about that so I kind of wish he stayed in that outfit but that's but it if, <laughs> but I mean if those if those are the only complaints then I think I mean I'm I think the movie's, I think the movie's doing pretty good yeah absolutely yeah. and I I think yeah some of the the 
funniest moments I think were when he was in that that outfit um <laughs> uh, let's let's laugh a little bit I think dude Thor jumping off flying on Stormbreaker like a witch <laughs> like so so good I I absolutely could not stop laughing in that moment the the Jean-Claude Van Damme moment uh yes. I think was absolutely incredible uh were there any funny moments that really stood out to you guys well, I loved how they made uh, Stormbreaker have a personality yes. throughout this uh, throughout this movie, and and just Sentient. how you know, obviously, I think it I think it's when he's talking with Peter Quill that he, he references the two loves that have left him. They either leave you a note or something. I think he said, and exploding in front of you, which is obviously his Mjolnir. So <laughs> you know, both loves. He's yeah. being reintroduced to both of his loves yeah. in this movie. His his ex girlfriend and the hammer that was destroyed. Right. So, so good. I think it was it was funny how they. They played into uh, giving Stormbreaker almost like a, a purpose because it seems like because he was so um, frustrated with Thor, he was kind of throwing everything off of off off kilter. And obviously, uh, Gore it needs Stormbreaker as this key element to to get to eternity. So I, I thought it it kind of fed into like Stormbreaker being used as a as a tool for bad because he was already so like emotionally distraught. But I just love how the hammer just comes floating in it. He's like, oh hey buddy, how are you? Oh there you are. <laughs> so funny. Like I honestly, it's so damn silly, but like I just yeah couldn't stop laughing at that. Meg, what were some some funny moments you enjoyed? Well, Thor riding on the hammer was one of my first ones that I wrote down because I it is another callback to Ragnarok when Korg says, the hammer rode you on your back. <laughs> like, right. it, he's like, no, I rode my hammer on its back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, another favorite part of mine is when Thor does his handshake with Star-Lord or um, uh, Peter Quill. Yeah. And he references Ragnarok once again by saying the snake you do not trust because it's <laughs> referencing the story that uh, about Loki pretending to be a snake because he knows snake. Yeah, Thor yeah, yeah. loves snakes <laughs> and then he he returns back to himself and then he stabs him. <laughs> so um, good. That part made me laugh so much and I thought the goats were gonna get really annoying really fast, but they were in just enough of the movie to make me laugh every time. <laughs> Absolutely. It's when it's when the screams landed yes. that made you laugh. And 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 seeing it with an audience, that's what what stood out to me especially is that you know when they land in Omnipotent City, they you know the the, the crash land, the music ends and then you hear <laughs> the goats screaming. <laughs> For me it was so. it was the first time they got sucked into the Bifrost. I was like that's yes. what it would feel like to be sucked <laughs> up into the Bifrost for the first time. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, it's been confirmed that we will see the goats again in the Christmas special. Yes! Um, so I feel like I feel like they're going to be like pulling a sleigh or something like that, I think would be really fantastic. Oh my God, so funny. I would also like to point out one of the standout performances of this film. The one, the only, Melissa McCarthy. Oh my God. <laughs> the play, the play that they do. Matt Damon as Loki. In this movie, Luke Hemsworth as Thor, Sam Neill back as Odin, and then, yeah, dude, Melissa McCarthy as Hela. I love how, like, later on in the movie, when everyone's in distress, <laughs> you just see stupid <laughs> Matt Damon. Should we make a and- <laughs> play about this situation? In times of crisis, particularly now, people need entertainment. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't hear a no, and it's just, 
it it was so fantastic. But yeah, Melissa McCarthy coming out and just I'm hella like it was just <laughs> that that scene, that whole sequence will forever live in my mind. And I I just I can't wait to watch that again and again and again. So good. Uh, well, I hope I hope Disney Plus puts that out as yes. something like you could watch the play all oh, the entire of, thing of what they did <laughs> yeah and then they do like the story of like thor with with thanos and stuff like that you know they do their own oh, that would be great so good. but oh, yeah. I, again i think what's cool is that for for taika to kind of retell the events which lead into jane you know coming to see the the hammer they tell the story of what happened in ragnarok in in that play and i love that that's again just how he's able to handle exposition and fill us in and remind us of these things in his own sort of way whether it be you know Korg narrating something or seeing this play reenact these events I, I just think that he embeds story within the story to help tell the story it was just crafty in the way that he did it right so well and and we talk about the idea that yeah sometimes certain things need to be reined in but he also has like this movie is filled with so much of his stylistic subtle humor like the yes. fact that there's yeah. an infinity cones ice cream shop <laughs> is phenomenal um you know he he does that sort of charm like no one else can do uh, the the bow god was just so delightful to see and maybe a reference to to pixar um i think there's also a throwaway line in omnipotent city where somebody mentions a carpenter god which i guess <laughs> means jesus is MCU yeah, yeah. canon now, yeah. <laughs> which is incredible. Yeah. I don't know if Jesus yeah. would necessarily be hanging out with those gods in particular, but I was like, like blown away when I heard that. I could see it. Yeah. But can we, can we, can we circle in that and around that moment? Russell Crowe. How oh. did who? Where did the comedic chops come from? Like, like this. This is no good. Like his his curtsy as he skips <laughs> down the steps. <laughs> it was. So good. Yeah. The entire theater was in hysterics. It was oh yeah. so well done. It was there was a balance between over the top theatrical mob boss, if you will. Oh yeah. Like is how I was looking at his performance. Uh because he brings in some some real mob boss qualities <laughs> to being Zeus. And uh I think he also brings the theatricality uh as well, especially how he was just so boastful and how he was talking about this orgy that everyone <laughs> you are not invited to the orgy not invited. Um, <laughs> oh. so yeah i thought i thought he did i thought it was a good cameo uh, and obviously as we get towards the end we'll probably see him come back uh, in that role in, in some capacity I'm, I'm sure of it so yeah he, he did a great job i liked it also speaking of orgies <laughs> Uh, oh. Awkward segue. Um, <laughs> this is a comparable, not the same, don't at me, comparable character to um, Jeff Goldblum in Ragnarok. Again, these these oh. parallels that Taika's making to his previous Thor movie. Very true. Absolutely. Very true. Yeah. Like another over-the-top being who thinks he runs all of everything and loves an orgy here and there. <laughs> um, so I thought yeah. that was like a really cool way to bring those two characters together. Totally different performances. I'd love to see the Grandmaster and Zeus, and Zeus. hanging out. Zeus? That would <laughs> no, be but incredible. That, that's, I, I think that's actually very, very smart to point that out because I think that it helps to create the culture of gods, mm -hmm. of these higher beings yeah. and, and what they do. And, and to your point, 
maybe that was a point of reference for Russell Crowe to look at the sort of theatricality and the the, the drama that, that Jeff Goldblum sometimes had while still being himself, obviously oh, yeah. very Jeff Goldblum. Um, but... Yeah, I think I think a lot of that groundwork is established with with the Grandmaster, and here we can see it continued with Russell Crowe. So that's great. I love that reference. So it's good. a great parallel. So good. Yeah. This this is no good. Um, <laughs> but you know, obviously Zeus thought of himself as the most epic uh, of gods. Uh, let's get into epic moments, guys. I, I like what what would you say moment was or moment? Give, give me. Give, you know what? Let's we're running a bit long here. What is your most epic? <laughs> moment in the movie the one i'll go with is the one that we get it towards the end and that is when he is giving his powers to the kids yes and you see the tree spread out over top and when they all charged like that was another like whoa like i just love how he was able to bring an army together from asgardian kids and like they were all badass and to see astrid uh, or, or Axel, my apologies, Axel. Yeah, uh, or just... Asshole, as Cord calls him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wants to be called Asshole. Just called Asshole. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought that moment, like, when that was the one I was like, yeah, let's go. Well, that, I mean, that was, that for me was my moment as well. I think I'll follow it up, though. Like, yeah, Rainbow in the Dark by Dio uh started playing and it's just such a fun moment to watch the kid with the stuffed animal shooting the, the lasers and i just was, it was so much fun and i think um to follow that up when jane flies in on aragorn and, and jumps off and thor looks at her and they they both kind of give this look of understanding that like this is her final battle i just i was blown away by those moments and i i, I also i want to quickly just shout out um uh, Darcy wrote in and, and like him I couldn't stop looking at the statues in the background of this scene in the in the entrance to infinity um, Darcy wrote in and actually mentioned that we see the head of one of the celestials is the head that falls on the kids that Thor yeah. catches um, and it, he said it makes sense because eternity made the celestials um, so that's why that maybe was there and um, I also caught we see a statue of one of the watchers we see the living tribunal um, which I thought was really cool. And then with a little bit of digging, I also found out that we saw one of Eon, who represents time, one of Lady Death. Uh, and then there's a statue of Infinity, uh, who in the comics is Eternity's sister. Um, so again, really cool things that you can see are, like you guys said, in the background of this building movie out. that are building out yeah, this and movie and, out. and yeah. do make it even more epic than I think it, initially shows itself to be so um yeah For i sure. just as soon as i saw the watcher i was like oh, there's a watcher statue there it's so cool and then <laughs> i just kept yeah. like seeing all these kids like kicking ass and ah oh, what a phenomenal moment meg what about oh, yourself yeah. what was your most epic moment i mean there's just so many great ones obviously there's so many great like female empowerment moments as well and i think i'm gonna mm -hmm. have to say my most epic moment is um Mighty Thor's final strike with her hammer, taking yeah. all of the power of the Necrosword in the hammer, letting all of that lightning power Mjolnir before she says, eat my hammer, <laughs> um, I think is one of my favorite moments and most epic moments of that whole movie. I also just want to say that Thor killing Zeus was pretty cool, but with my fault of not having any consequence, that one kind of goes down the drain for me. Mm, mm, interesting. <laughs> yes, we will. We'll touch upon the consequence that that doesn't have 
um, <laughs> in just a moment. But I wanted to just say, let's just talk about it. I know we talked about Epic. What is your favorite? Was that your favorite moment? Or did you have another moment that you would say was like, this is the moment that I will always remember from this movie? I think anything with with Jane wielding the hammer was probably some of my favorite moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with just seeing someone else wield wield the power of Thor. I think it just shows a lot of opportunity of what can happen next with his powers. And even the fact that he gave the kids his powers mm-hmm. was for a limited was time so only. I, I, <laughs> yes. For a limited time only. I love I love how we had to clarify that for <laughs> a limited time yeah. only. I love that he did that. Um but yeah, seeing Jane wield the hammer, we called it, it when she's on New Asgard, and the, the the hammer splits apart and it kills all those th- all those shadow monsters and so it flies cool. back. I was I was like, damn, that's cool. And then the other instance of of when she does that, um, that you pointed out, Meg, where where she, at the end when she catches all of the Necrosword in her hammer, and it's so good. Like they really made Mighty Thor super badass, and I think she had some my favorite moments. Yeah, definitely made her her own her own Thor in those moments, yeah, right? Man. It was it was you. They did a great job different. with her. They yeah. did a great job. I was I was like for, for as much as she was just kind of like serving the story and obviously because of the relationship and all of this, they did such a great job of of telling her story really quickly off top, and then she's just a part of it. She has the powers, and they show they just showed Mighty Thor kicking ass, and oh, yeah. that's what I wanted to see. <laughs> that's what I wanted to see, right? So, oh yeah, I think. I gotta say my favorite moment of the entire film is literally the very end and as Nate loves a bookend the the quote that you started this podcast yeah. with I was already tearing up seeing how adorable oh. Chris Hemsworth was acting with his own daughter it was so such cute. a beautiful scene it was so funny but so full of heart and I loved it so much I was already welling up and then to realize the name of the film is about these two, I kid you not, cue an emotional meltdown. I couldn't yeah. hold it in. I was like, uh, bah, 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 trying to talk about yeah. how incredible the whole movie was and how much I loved it. Stream of tears rolling down both my cheeks. It it impacted me the most, I think, because I wasn't expecting it. So I loved the end. Yeah. Right. I'm, st- I'm still just... The whole, that's mine as well. I think seeing <laughs> seeing Thor and Love enjoying pan flaps together and, you know, as you mentioned, India Rose Hemsworth is fantastic. She's so, so adorable good. and so instantly charming. And um, I remember actually watching a clip of Taika Waititi that he posted on Twitter of him eating grapes with his daughters, um, his, both his daughters at Sam Neill's farm. Uh, and mm-hmm. he gives one of his daughters, his youngest daughter, one of the grapes, and she's like, "Ew!" And she starts spitting it out, and she's like, "She's like," she says something to the degree of like, "We can't all like the same things, Dad," or something like that to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. like this, like you can so see his own experiences as a father in this relationship here with with love and with Thor, and I just, oh yeah, I completely oh teared God. up. I completely Absolutely. teared up. When uh, so when when he says like they're called pan flaps and she's like I've never had those in my life like <laughs> you've <laughs> barely been alive at all so it's yeah. so funny but she's reading but she's also reading Jane Foster's book on like <laughs> on like this like crazy space science that I'm like I don't, I don't know if she's actually understanding what it says but um and like even even the way she like tucks Mjolnir in and and does its makeup and it's got and like it's tassels so pretty. <laughs> So it pretty. was boring before. 
Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I really, I cannot wait to see more of her. Yeah, she's just doing the two thumbs up. In the, she's in the mirror. She's oh, just doing the thumbs up with the so helmet. Good. So yeah, cute. She's so funny. She was cute. And and I think, yeah, the bookend, it just put a bow on, on the oh, entire yeah. film that made it that much more satisfying. Yeah. And that much more personal, as you pointed out, Nate. I, I think that you very much can see Taika Waititi's own experiences sprinkled throughout this story dealing with the theme of love and the importance of it and all facets and sides of it from pain to to suffering and, and craziness that it can cause inside of you that idea that sense of protection that comes with it as well and i think that's what we're seeing here is he's he's a guardian of of love as well right like he is the guardian of love and it will protect her because you know she's very much birthed out of out of love from gore um so there's just there's layers of poetry there I'm so stoked for more adventures. Before we get into our predictions uh, and talking about those end credit scenes, uh, Darcy has also uh, sent a raven. It's just flying in right now. Thanks. Okay. Uh, yeah, there it is. And uh, he wanted to <clears throat> let us know a few things. He wrote in um, saying that the ending of the movie definitely made him think of the King Thor storyline, uh, which is also done by Jason Aaron. Uh, that follows the, the, you know, it also follows the God Butcher story. And in that one, apparently we see a future Thor who's one of the last of uh, heroes left uh, at the end of the universe. And we see him with his three daughters who help him protect the surviving races as the universe dies. So he, he said, I think it's really cool that Thor and his surrogate daughter are kind of starting that trend. And I really do hope that we do get to see them fighting as love and thunder going forward. And I don't want them to recast her. I don't want them to do an age up. Just have her be involved. I want her in the Young Avengers as like Thor's kind of replacement, I think would be so much fun. Um, but Let's kick it off. Let's let's talk about something here. Let's talk about the end credits. Uh, and I want to I want to start off by saying he's here, he's there, he's every he's fucking where. Roy Kent, Roy Kent. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Brett Goldstein as Hercules teased at the end. I was so happy. What do you guys think that this means for Thor the next time we see him? Oh, I don't know what it means, but I just have to say that I was <laughs> so excited, so much so that I basically jumped out of my chair and was like <laughs> throwing my arms in massive cheers because I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan. And yeah. I don't think mm -hmm. anybody else in my theater was a Ted Lasso <laughs> fan. Oh, no. Because I had so many people staring at me and like the screen and going, who is that? I even had my friend sitting next to me go, did I miss something? I'm like, have you seen Ted Lasso? And she was like, no. And I'm like, yeah, you missed something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see what he's going to do with Hercules going forward. I I'm interested with the story because I, I, I know Darcy and I were kind of talking about it um, offline. And, you know, they do become friends. You know, there's a short period of time that they are against each other, but they do become friends. They realize they both have something in common. Um, so I do think that they will be working together uh, more so in the next one than maybe fighting each other or maybe they work towards working together. I don't know. But I, I, I can see them having a bit of a feud coming together and resolving whatever, whatever threat is really out there or obstacle, if you will. You must Which have got the Zeus, same. You knows? must have got the same Raven from Darcy that I got, because yes, that is absolutely <laughs> what he wrote here. Uh, is that that he thinks Herc is going to fall in love with the human realm um, because he hates his dad uh, because of all the trials that he put him through. All I care about, I don't. I I could care less about what he ends up has. His story ends up being. 
he just better drop a, a, an F-bomb in yes. full Roy Kent style <laughs> at some point. I don't care when. I don't care how. I don't care I don't if he, he shows will. up in a Deadpool movie to do it. I don't it. think he will. He yeah, has to. Sure. He has to, Justin. Yeah, my my uh, my thought for that was that he'd get a fa and then it would cut the K off just because it's yeah. Disney. But Sure. Uh, sure. There that, is I would prefer that those. than having to lead into it. Uh, yeah. No. Just yeah, do right? it. Just just do it. Um, and then, of course, we do get the Valhalla post credit scene um, where... Uh, <clears throat> oh, sorry. There's another side to this paper here. Let me turn this around here. Uh, Darcy also said that he thinks that the next Thor movie could focus on the rebirth of all Asgardians scattered throughout the galaxy uh, and having Thor go and find them. Um, another excellent run from the comics that he was mentioning. Um, apparently, New Asgard was established in that line. So he thinks that maybe because we've already gotten New Asgard, maybe they'll go the other route and, and bring these characters in. Um, and he says, we're definitely going to see more of the Mighty Thor, possibly even other Valkyries going forward, uh, and maybe even yeah. the OG Loki, uh, which is a very interesting idea of, of getting that Loki uh, back. Um, I... I completely agree i thought at the end when it said thor will return i thought it was going to fade in with words at the beginning saying the mighty like at the, the sort of fade in slowly or something like that and be the, the mighty thor will return um but we, it's just thor coming back uh, <laughs> i also really wanted to see sif's arm in valhalla i thought <laughs> i thought <laughs> i thought that i thought heimdall was gonna like turn around and then shove a shove her arm into a pile of other body parts of like different warriors <laughs> who have lost their limbs in battle but have survived. I thought would have been a phenomenal listen Taika if you want if you want to hire me for your writing let's go let's let's get me into <laughs> the next one. Um but what do you guys think that seeing Jane uh and Heimdall in Valhalla means going forward? Well, I definitely think this means we'll see Valhalla again. At least that's my hope mm -hmm. that we'll get to visit it again, if not in a main series or a film. I think it would be super fun to have some sort of short form series with the people in Valhalla, if, you know, unless that resurgence happens or um, reincarnation or whatever it is that happens with the Asgardians. Um, mm -hmm. I thought of a title that they could use, uh, <clears throat> Marvel, if you want to use oh. it. I thought the life and death in Valhalla, because you have to die <laughs> to live in Valhalla. I don't know. Right. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like um, that. But I also don't know a lot about the comics, so I'm totally coming from someone who's very new to all of that. Though I did hear and research that um, in certain comic book runs, Mighty Thor and Jane Foster actually returned to Earth as a Valkyrie. So if we're looking oh. at seeing more Valkyrie, I think that right. would be an incredible direction to go with her. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm on that, that same wavelength i think that to see her show up you know and obviously being able to see handal there as well just giving that sort of uh i guess wow factor to being in valhalla who else would be there i guess the only other wow factor would have been if it was odin yeah you know, actually there welcoming or Frigga. Welcoming jane but oh yeah <laughs> there you go that would be yeah. great um but yeah i think that second stinger really just hits home that there's more to jane foster story and, and mighty thor can be told and will be told maybe um so i don't know if that's just a, a way to kind of leave that out there to see what happens yeah you know being like contracts and sure, can they get yeah. her to do another one and stuff logistics. like that <laughs> so just yeah logistics essentially the logistics of that and 
if but they can leave that character out there and, and know that they could return if she decides that she wants to come back because I don't know. I don't think it's any sort of ill harm between between them. It just might not be something that she wants to do all the time. The same sort of level of commitment that something like Star Wars gave her, where it was like, you know, I think it was like nine years of her life or something like that. Or, you know what I mean? Very much committed to to those movies, which uh, Taika Waititi was reported that he actually forgot <laughs> that she forgot. was in Star yeah, Wars completely, uh, which was really funny. Asking her, like, would you ever be in a Star Wars movie? <laughs> She's like, I She's was. Like, um... <laughs> Um, I listen while you guys were blabbing on about something. I already wrote the opening to uh, the Mighty Thor movie, and it's it's her and Frigga chilling in the living room. They're watching TV. They're watching um, the Days of Our Death. WandaVision. Uh, I think would be okay. the name of the soap opera that they're they're watching. And so the days it, of our it lives. starts off. Yeah, it kind of starts off as like the Days of Our Deaths, and it's like it's like an act. We're, like we're watching the soap opera, and then it pulls out, and it's a TV in. <gasps> In Valhalla, I think would be really, really fun. Um, anyways, again, Marvel, take a, hire us. Obviously, we all have really good ideas. Um, and so, so uh, with that, uh, we are we're you know what we haven't quite hit the length of the movie yet. And our goal with these reviews and discussions is to be under the length of the movie. So let's get to our rating and ranking of the Thor. Uh, movies I think would be really really fun so we'll rate this movie on a scale of one to five pan flaps uh, and then I want to know how you'd rank this movie uh, amongst all the other Thor movies uh, so all right so <clears throat> why don't we start with uh, oh my gosh do, do you guys hear that uh, I think I hear the Bifrost coming in Kevin Kevin is that you hey geeks it's uh, Kev here with my thoughts on Thor love and thunder uh, I just I just thought this movie was such a refreshing change of pace so much of Phase 4 has been burdened almost with the weight of setting up the future direction of the MCU. Every movie and television show of this phase has felt kind of bogged down with the responsibility of either introducing the next Thanos-level impending threat or defining the rules of how things work with the multiverse, variant timelines, and other such inner workings. Thor Love and Thunder, or TLT as I'll call it, doesn't face any of these burdens. The movie, while very much a direct result of all the events that have influenced these characters' paths, is a standalone story that simply happens to fit into the grand scheme of things, rather than needing to necessarily influence or affect them. I'm honestly a bit surprised by the slightly underwhelming critical and audience response to the movie, but I also kind of understand it. Unlike previous entries, which are perhaps a bit more dour or serious in nature, TLT is just one big joke. It's almost like if Mel Brooks made an MCU movie, a parody of the superhero genre of today that just so happens to work within the larger construct of the MCU. And I don't think the problem is that people don't get the joke. I just don't think they particularly liked it. I, on the other hand, enjoyed it very much. And that's because, in my opinion, we can't take everything that we saw in the movie as being entirely true or happening exactly as we saw it. I actually think that what we saw is Korg's version of what happened. And so while the majority of events that happened, such as Gore's quest to kill all the gods, his sacrifice, and Jane's passing to Valhalla all did indeed happen, what we witnessed was Korg's version of how it all took place. Did Thor actually do the Van Damme splits between two alien spacecrafts or joke around with imprisoned, kidnapped children that they were team kids in a cage? Probably not, but it kind of happened that way. You know what I mean? While Korg isn't the most reliable narrator in the MCU, he's proven himself to be the most entertaining, and his story perfectly weaves the balance between love, loss, heroics, and sacrifice, while putting a smile on my face the whole time. 
Plus, it sets up an awesome dynamic for the next chapter in Thor's journey, as I can't wait to see the next adventure that Love and Thunder have together. Uh, this was such a fun, easy breezy entry into the MCU, and right now sits as one of my favorites in the genre, maybe of all time. Taika Waititi was able to tell a story that was just dripping with his knack for irreverence, sweetness, and charm. I honestly hope he has a similar approach to the story or stories he tells in the Star Wars universe. At the end of the day, these movies should be fun, and this is fun at a level of infinite splendor. While I don't normally do this, in order to balance the scales against some of the unfairly low scores this movie is receiving, I'm giving it a 5 out of 5 pan flaps. I loved every second of the movie and thought it managed to tell the story of one of the most interesting Marvel villains to date with a really original spin. Gore's quest for revenge feels incredibly justified, and as a result, his redemption creates a perfect character arc for the character. Bill's work here is fantastic, and Hemsworth continues to add layers to an increasingly interesting and constantly evolving character. I completely understand that it's important to create the narrative for the bigger picture of the MCU, but sometimes it's nice to just step aside and spend some time with characters we love. Well, at least if it works this well. Holy, five out of five? Kevin, that's it. Oh, oh, he's gone already. He went back in the Bifrost. Um, <laughs> wow, five out of five from our own god killer. Usually he's butchering uh, these Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, um, as, as he said, he doesn't often give five out of fives. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. Holy crap. Yeah, wow. I'm that's it's so funny that he had the opinion of thinking that this is Korg's version of what happened because one of the things that I thought maybe wouldn't make this film work was that somebody told me they saw an interview with Chris Hemsworth saying this movie feels like it's written by a 5-year-old. And mm. I had that thought in the back of my head when I went and watched this movie because they told it to me before. And the whole time I was like, mm, yeah, it kind of does. But I love that about the movie, especially the more I think about it and researched points and things. And now that Kevin has stated that, that's totally what it is. I'm, yeah. I yeah. full-blown agree with that opinion. I think that's yeah. such a fun way to to show this movie and to show Taika Waititi's humor. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with him as well. I, I, from everything from his take on, on the story being told from Korg to the exact sentiments that I had at the top of the show where, you know, the strength of this movie is its ability to stay focused on Thor and less concerned about building yeah. out the MCU universe with, with impending stories and, and doom and gloom. It is fun. And, and this is so Taika Waititi in so many ways, which is its strength 100%. So yeah, can't believe he gave it five out of five. Crazy. That's, that's awesome. Megan, what is your rating out of five pan flaps, and how would you rank this uh, amongst the Thor movies? Well, to go back to my initial thoughts, the color, the contrast, and the hilarity of a classic Taika Waititi take on a Marvel movie, this film made me laugh, it made me cry, it made me feel so many things for so many characters in a really simplistic way, and that's why I love it yeah. so much, because I enjoy that, like Kevin said, it didn't take itself too seriously, because everything seems to be so serious right now, and we need content like this to to get lost in so i you sound just like the the performers <laughs> in the play <laughs> you know the people need their entertainment in crisis like this uh, isn't it so funny when art reflects life <laughs> right oh gosh um 
And you know what? I'm going to agree with Kevin. I'm giving this movie five out of five pan flaps. Wow. With all my heart. <laughs> wow. Cook them up. As for, oh, yeah. As for a <laughs> ranking, um, it actually wasn't that difficult for me to rank these movies. In fourth place, mm-hmm. I have Dark World. Not the best yeah. Thor movie out there. Third place, I've got Thor. Second yeah. place, I have Love and Thunder. And mm-hmm. first place, I have Ragnarok simply because it was the first of its kind, or at least it felt that way. When when the Taika Waititi version of Marvel came out, it made such a massive impact. And that's why so many people loved it, because it was so brand new and so funny. Um, so unfortunately, I don't think Love and Thunder can touch that. But it was so good in its own right. So good. So good. Yeah. Justin, I know you already dropped your spoiler-free thoughts in our spoiler-free review. Do you have anything to add to that uh, as well as uh, kind of for those who didn't listen to that, your score? Well, you know, again, I think upon viewing this movie uh, for the second time, it it is very clear that this movie is very confident in knowing the story it wants to tell. The positives, I think, outweigh any of the the subtle negatives to this this story. Um, And and for me, I I think that people need to laugh right now. Kevin pointed out that everything can be so serious. And I think Taika very much acknowledges that these movies are a sense of escapism, which is why they do so well. And in a world that is sometimes shitty, it's it's more important to laugh and and you can still promote a really positive message that's centered around such a true human emotion like like love again not being burdened by having to do the mcu stuff and and just seed planting and building out the 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 world that's the strength of this movie it it stays focused on thor and it doesn't lose itself in in trying to do anything else and i think the the parallels of how we see love from the good the bad the ugly of of, of all of the different characters and how they've experienced it from, you know, a, a villain driven by the loss of love and, and, and a friend who's, who's an ally like Valkyrie, but, you know, is, is, is seeking love in, in a new way uh, that is familial to what she, she had it before. And, and just seeing Jane come back and, and be this sort of new beacon of love and a new motivation for Thor and, and a, a way for him to navigate to this new beginning or this evolution of his character with, with love. I just I don't know. The movie promotes such a positive message, in my opinion, and and I think again we you said it, Nate. This this has Taika Waititi all over it. It's, it feels very personal. It feels very relatable, and it's just delivering a fucking bitch in time with like with eighties <laughs> metal vibes and just some color, vibrant imagery, and we, you know we talked about it in the spoiler free. But Jack Kirby's style all over this was was nuts. So yeah, I, I think I'm gonna move my score up by 0.5 to five out of five pan flaps because honestly, like this was so refreshing in the MCU after everything we've gotten. It feels almost similar to the experience of Ms. Marvel and how refreshing that experience feels amongst the series. I'm refreshed. I'm re- I'm so refreshed. <laughs> And then, yeah, absolutely. And then as re- in, in regards to ranking, it's, uh, yeah, definitely Thor Dark World is at the bottom of that list. Um, but it, for the top three, you know, I really loved Thor 1, so I'm going to put it at third. Um, I am going to put this movie, Love and Thunder, at second because Ragnarok, you know, I think we mentioned it before. It was the surprise. It, it really took the character in a new direction and building out the character a lot more. Yeah, I think Taika does definitely take the first two. So, Alrighty. Um, yeah, I mean, just what you guys said. Yeah, same thing. 
Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, this is, as I said, this is exactly what I wanted from a Taika Waititi movie and a Thor adventure. Um, <clears throat> like Kevin said, I really do hope this is what we can expect from him in Star Wars. Um, I think this movie is divisive yeah. because, like you said, people want uh, giant, massive MCU changing stories every time and i'm happy that this isn't what that is and it it never set itself sorry yep. it never set itself up to be that either yep. uh and i think as fans of the mcu we need to stop expecting that constantly especially from these directors who are lending these unique voices to this overall story i think it's good to have a balance of both types of stories um you know standalone ones and then ones that push the phases forward um I could not stop laughing throughout this movie. We couldn't stop laughing throughout this podcast. Um, and I think that speaks so much to Taika Waititi's style of humor. The entire cast was so perfect. The soundtrack was perfect. Uh, and the movie is just so confident and has so much heart. Um, my only thing was that I wanted more Gore the God Butcher just because Christian Bale is phenomenal uh, as Gore. And I wanted to see, like you said, him. I wanted to see him live up to his name. Um, I think we could have had the best villain in the MCU so far if we did get just a little bit more with him. But other than that, this movie is incredibly rewatchable. Uh, it's a great follow-up to Ragnarok. Um, even if it falls a little bit short of that movie, and and I think, to your point, Meg, it was such a huge surprise, that movie, that I don't think yeah. it's possible for Taika to catch lightning twice, or as Zeus would say, yeah. Thunderbolt twice. Um, so <laughs> Lightning so, in a yeah. bottle. <clears throat> That's it. I... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I this movie rocked so much. I it's it's so much fun. I'm gonna give it five out of five pan yeah. flaps. Yeah. I, I I agree. I think it's it's such a good time. Uh, as for my ranking uh, for the movies, I think my favorite is Thor: The Dark World. Um, I just <laughs> think the villain in that movie was so well done, and his sort of uh, I, I couldn't even name the villain. If you ask me to name him. <laughs> I don't think I could even name him right Malachi. now. I'm, Malachi. Is it Malachi? Malakin? Malachi? Malaketh? I don't know. Dude, who yeah. cares? Um, <laughs> yeah, at the bottom of my list is Thor The Dark World. I will say it's probably better than I remember it if I was to go back and rewatch it now, but it just left such a bad taste in my mouth the first time around. I'm like, I don't know if I want to taste that again. Uh, yeah. In my third place is Thor. Uh, I thought it was good. Um, it's a good movie. Um, it's, you know, I think the initial setup of the jokes of like another, like that's great. Good stuff with Darcy and Jane and stuff like that. Um, and then I would say after that, oh, yeah, it's gotta be a huge surprise. I think Thor love and thunder is second place for me. I know, I know, yeah. you know, that's because, crazy. Cause, but. Cause Ragnarok did it first, right? Like, <laughs> yes. cause it's such a surprise and, 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 and you'll, you never forget your first. Right. You exactly. never forget your exactly. first. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's the other thing, too. Like a lot of people have been drawing a lot of comparisons. Well, it just feels like Ragnarok done over again. But it's like, yeah, of course, like he built a world. He's established yeah. a world in, in Ragnarok. Yeah. It's it's naturally going to feel like that because Ragnarok was so surprising in the direction. It'll it'll always be that one that's like the best of them because it took the character in a new direction. Well, I cannot believe we made it. I think I've gone from 
from uh, sad, sad bod to god bod to dad bod and in that entirety of that podcast. Um, so let's wrap up this discussion. Uh, that's it for our spoiler-filled review and discussion for Marvel's Thor Love and Thunder. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions uh, on you know where the MCU is going forward, what's the deal with Hercules, do you want him to drop an F-bomb like Roy Kent, uh, well, listen. You can pray to the gods of social media to reach us, Justin. Where can they? Where can they reach us again? Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail That's wearegeekcentric at gmail Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. But please only reach out if you are devout believers. Um, I would, you know, I don't know. We don't, I don't have want time any, for. I don't want any orgy emails or <laughs> any, any tweets about orgies. I mean, I, listen. I, well, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Only Murders in the Building season two, episodes one to six, The Man from Toronto, The Sea Beast. Uh, also, we had the chance to talk with some incredible people lately, but most recently, Justin had the chance to interview Obi Wan Kenobi director Deborah. Chow and freaking Anakin Skywalker himself, Hayden Christensen. Uh, and there's a really sweet moment between Justin and Hayden where they discuss Star Wars fatherhood. Uh, so, so go give those episodes a listen and a five star review if you don't mind. Uh, and lastly, we have our This Week in Geek episodes uh, where we talk about the latest trailers and news. Uh, in our last one, we talked about the sequels to Avatar, as well as our thoughts on the newly announced Tiana's Bayou at the Disney Parks. We drop new episodes of This Week in Geek every single Wednesday. Megan, Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this spoiler-filled review and discussion. And as we say, love ya. Bye. Peace. <laughs>